Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you enjoy the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue to get the guests on and improve our podcast, we need support from listeners like you. That financial support helps us continue to do the podcast and get guests on that we normally would not be able to get on the show. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, and the number three after, and click on the support button. There will be options there for you to make a monthly contribution. With your contribution, we can continue to conduct the podcast and ask more well-known wrestlers from the past and present that require financial compensation to be on the podcast. Again, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, and the number three, and click on the support button. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us for part two of our conversation with Ken Patera, the world's strongest man. And now, part two of our conversation with Ken Patera. All right, Ken, go ahead. I remember a place, uh, officer, uh, this is, uh, we were still in training camp, and uh, uh, I had been downtown with Vern at a, uh, bar uh-huh. called Duff's Bar, uh, owned by Joe Duffy. Joe, Dan- Joe Duffy was a real famous character in downtown Minneapolis. He had, he had the best bar in town. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, I, I think it was about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. The bars closed at one, so we had to be out of there by one. Yeah. So Burns on his way home. And uh, right as the freeway ended, here comes the red lights. Oh, no. So a, a cop pulls him over. And, uh, you know, we, we were lit up pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the cops, oh, Vern Ganya. He said, yeah. He said, how you doing? He said, by the way, I've been meaning to ask you, does that sleeper hold really work? <laughs> and Vern says, "Yeah." He says, "Could you put that thing on me so I could, so I know what it's like?" Oh. And, and Vern says, <laughs> "Vern says, well, the, the, I'm going to put you to sleep." Uh, I don't think so. I he says I'm pretty strong. So Vern slaps that sleeper hold on. About a second and a half later, boom! The cops on the ground. Oh completely no! Out. Yeah, completely. <laughs> So Vern's standing over him, and here comes his buddy cop car, pulls up right behind them, and the guy jumps out and pulls his gun. Oh, no. He he doesn't realize this thing was, you know, legit. Oh, no. So Vern steps back and says, hey, officer, he wanted to know what the sleeper hold was like. So I showed him, and luckily the cop that drew the gun knew who Vern was too, but didn't recognize yeah. him as he pulled up. Right. So after a couple of minutes, you know, they, they uh, so the, the other cop says, can you wake him up? He said, Vern, yeah, I mean, I'll get him up. So he wakes the guy up and the, <laughs> the guy said, well, you weren't kidding, were you, Vern? <laughs> I told you. So wow. The, the, Two cops were standing out there on the freeway having a good laugh. 
Oh my gosh. And uh, so, yeah, like, uh, you know, people ask me that figure four and that sleeper hold and all those wrist locks and toe locks, I, all that stuff really work. I said, it really works. Yeah. I, I said, uh, uh, what what about that full Nelson that you have that swing and full? I was just going to ask you about that. Your signature hold, the swing and full Nelson. Yeah, well, it, you want me to screw your neck up or just show you how it's? No, yeah, I'm, I'm a big guy. This guy was probably about two thirty, two forty, and about five eleven. Yeah, he was pretty stocky. Yeah. Wow. So. And we did this in a hotel lobby. <laughs> so I slapped that full Nelson on him. Well, I, I probably did it a hundred times, but this one time I'm thinking we were in a hotel lobby, Hyatt uh-huh. Regency down in uh, Miami, Florida. Uh-huh. And I put that swing full Nelson on him. I put the full Nelson on him and I, I swung him just one time. And this is like midnight. You know, it was, it was already late. We must have had 20 Miller Lakes in us. <laughs> and Harley Race was there. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think Terry Funk and I think Dusty Rhodes was there too. But there was a lot of us in that. We were all staying at the Hyatt. Yeah. So I swung him once, put him down, and I kicked his feet out from underneath him. And he, oh, he, he went forward. You know, two years after they, I bumped into him and said, hey, but Terry, you know, my neck still hurts. <laughs> I said, I told you. Yeah. I said, I, I didn't even put it on. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just went through the motions with you. Yeah. And wow. you told me that you had a strong neck and that you were up to it. <laughs> I said, your neck really hurt? Well, not all the time, but I, I I know there's something there, you know. Yeah. I said, well, that's you learned your lesson then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just uh, uh, one of those things. All, all that stuff hurts. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like uh, my brothers. I had three brothers play uh, football, and uh, my oldest brother he wound up being the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks in 1976. Yeah. Uh, Jack Patera. Uh-huh. And uh, like, uh, I, I, I always ask, what's the most dangerous place on a football field? The bottom of the pile, he says. <laughs> I said, yeah. bottom of the pile? That's interesting. He says, yeah. And I said, why is that? He says, because when you're one of the guys on the bottom, Everybody else is on top. That's when they start taking cheap shots. <laughs> they'll step on your fingers. They'll bend your fingers. They'll, uh, you know, try to poke you in the eye. Uh, now this is back in the fifties and early sixties. They don't yeah. do stuff anymore. Right. Well, that Dominic Sue, uh, he plays for uh, Tampa now. Uh-huh. Like when he was with Detroit, he he was a cheap shot artist. Yeah, he, he got fined a hundred times, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's defensive player. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, they uh, 
the bottom of the pile is the most dangerous place to be in pro football. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But anyway, we're, we're, uh, we're talking about your full Nelson and, uh, oh yeah. Who who gave you that idea to use that move? Did you just come up with it on your own, or was it? The full Nelson? Yeah. I put the full Nelson on somebody in a match. I think it was Renee Goulet. Okay. And Renee says, Ken. And Renee weighed about 220, I guess. Uh -huh. And this is way back at the beginning of my career, back in 73. Uh-huh. And he says, you think you can swing me? I said, yeah, I can swing you. He says, I've all, I, he says, I've never seen anybody do that. I've seen a lot of guys put Paul Nelson's on and pick guys up, but nobody's been able to swing anybody. Uh -huh. Well, I swung in five or six revolutions, you know. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he, he held on to my hand so it didn't screw his neck up. Right. And uh, so that then I put him down. He's God, that's fantastic. <laughs> he said, you ought to use that as a finish hole because up till then I was using a bear hug. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for a finish. And he said, God, swinging full Nelson. He said that that should be your signature move from now on. Yeah. And I said, well, that's good. Yeah, but I my left knee was always screwed up. Yeah. So there was a lot of times during the match where I go for the swing and fall Nelson and my knee just wouldn't hold up to it. Uh -huh. But uh, that, you know, maybe one in 20 times, you know, so basically once a month it would be tender enough. Yeah. That's why I have two knee replacements. Oh. I, I have all metal, two hip replacements. Jeez. I had my left shoulder replaced twice. Man. So that's uh, two, four, six, that's six, uh, six replacement surgeries I've had. Like a $6 million <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, between, between that heavy weight lifting and then the wrestling, uh -huh. you know, all the bumps and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can we talk a little bit about what was probably one of your favorite matches that you did as either singles or a tag team? Well, that's, yeah, I had over 5,000 matches. Uh, and which one? I mean, you don't have to be your favorite. I mean, just one that sticks out in your mind that that was a great match. Well, I wrestled Bobby Backlund for the WWF uh, belt back in 1980. Uh -huh. Well, that was one of a hundred times I wrestled. But uh -huh. anyway, one this one was in Madison Square Garden, 1980. Uh -huh. And uh, the wrestling uh, editors voted that to be the best match of 1980. Okay. In all the territories, that was a num number one match that stood out. I, we wrestled about 40 minutes, uh -huh. and we, it was a hell of a match. Uh -huh. It was uh, 
it had a little bit of everything a lot of scientific type wrestling uh -huh. a lot of uh you know elbows and uh, knees and kicks and uh -huh. i mean it, it had a, uh, not a little bit of everything it had a lot of everything yeah i mean we went like two buzz saws for about 40 minutes uh -huh. And we wound up on the floor hitting each other with chairs. And uh -huh. then we got back in the ring. And um, I don't know what the finish was. I, I remember one of, our, one of our matches uh, was similar to that, but uh, Arnie Skolan, Backlund's manager, threw the towel in after about a half an hour. Okay. And, and the referee stopped the match. I think it's because of too much blood. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so I yeah I, I had three or four matches like that with Backlund, all the way from Madison Square Garden to Boston Garden. Yeah. To uh, Civic Center over in Pittsburgh to the uh, big arena down there and. Uh, Philadelphia, they're all over the place. I yeah. I wrestled them probably a hundred times. Yeah. And uh I had some knockdown drag outs with Bruno, Bruno Sarmatino. Yeah. Yeah. And uh that were way up on the list. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of good matches with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I mean a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I wrestled Hulk over 200 times. Oh wow. Yeah. I, I wrestled Andre the Giant 600 times. Jeez. Yeah, when you add up all the uh, times I wrestled them in battle royals and yeah, eight man tags, six man tags, four yeah. man tags, yeah, uh, individual matches. I probably wrestled them over three hundred times just in single matches. Wow. Yeah, because the promoters, you know, it didn't matter if I was in Texas or yeah, in Louisiana or New York or. Uh, AWA up here in the Midwest, uh -huh. and uh, all, all the promoters like that idea: the world's strongest man against the giant. Yeah, and uh, it was just a natural draw. Yeah, and uh, the fans ate it up. Yeah, and uh, so that 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 was good. And somebody asked me; I, I remember this distinctly. We were in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh huh. And I, my my career was winding down at that time. It was uh -huh. in 1988, uh -huh. and you know the wrestling just lost its luster. I I really I had I had no interest in continuing. Uh -huh. It's it been 16 years, right? And I know a lot of guys like Rick Flair. I think Rick, Rick wrestled 40 years. Yeah. And uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, it just got to be too much, you know. I'd gone through three divorces and oh wow, all kinds of other bullshit. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this kid comes up to me, and this is his first match. Uh -huh. He was wrestling some other rookie. And we're sitting in the locker room there in Hartford, Connecticut. And he sits down next to me, and he, he whispers to me, "Is that Andre the Giant?" <laughs> Andre was at the end of the table. I said, "Yeah, that's Andre. He's playing cribbage with his manager, uh, 
uh, Arnie Skolan. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, that's Andre. That's what I thought. <laughs> this was his first match. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he says, have you ever wrestled him? I said, Andre, have we ever wrestled? Said, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I said, what did we wrestle? About 400 matches? Said, oh, no. About 600. <laughs> I wow. said, you think it's that many? He said, yeah, you add up all the tag teams and all the battle royals. He said, hell, we, we were the last ones in the, all the battle royals, and that was over 100. Wow. I, I, says, I, I said, you know, when I think about it, yeah, I, I think you're right, about 600 times. So the kid's sitting there, he says, really? <laughs> 600 times you wrestle laundry? I said, that's what he said. And I said, when I start adding all these shows up over 16-year history, uh-huh. yeah, uh, about 600 times. Gosh. Yeah. So, and I, I, I had some great matches with Andre. Oh. Yeah. Some really good matches. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, when he wanted to work, he could work a match. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he could do everything. Yeah. And uh, especially, uh, you know, in the earlier eight, uh, uh, parts of his career when he was around three, 330, 350. Uh-huh. Yeah, when he started wrestling, I weighed about 260. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, you know, he was only about 6'9", 6'10", at that time, but then, you know, he had that acromegalia. Yeah. The giantism. And so he continued to grow, and as he got taller, he got heavier, and, yeah, you know, the, uh, the he liked his wine, and, uh, uh, vodka, beer, yeah. <laughs> he could drink. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you're not the first person to tell me that, that I've talked to on this program, yeah. 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 Let me ask you this. Uh, when you're in the AWA, uh, that's where I remember you most from because I was a kid and I grew up in Wisconsin. And I remember when you went from the Heenan family to the Sheiks. Oh yeah. Now, I I got to. I'm assuming this is, you know, you got a lot of heat for that, but but from the fans and stuff. But what did you get any like threats or things? Because you know you're an Olympian for America, and yeah. then you go and join these guys from you know Iraq or or you know the Middle East. Yeah. yeah what right. was that like for you? Well, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, talk that, about heat. Yeah. Yeah, I was already a heel with Heenan. Yeah, right. Yeah, but then when I uh, swore allegiance to Iraq and uh, gave up my American citizenship, yeah. yeah, then the heat really got serious. Yeah. And uh, people say, God, Cam, what was your toughest match? I said, my... I was pretty hard to tell from night to night. Almost every night was a tough match. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? I, I said, well, in order to get to the ring, I had to have four to six cops on either side of me yeah. to keep the monkeys off my back. Yeah. But once in a while, they'd break through with chairs and uh, 
all kinds of gimmicks, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it was a it was a war just to get to from the locker room to the ring. Yeah. And then if I was wrestling one of their favorite wrestlers, uh, like uh, I'll give a Jay Strongbow, I was wrestling him in Springfield, Massachusetts one night. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a Indian strap match. Uh-huh. And I was able to, you know, we'd start the match. And uh, uh, I, I finally, after about 20 minutes, I, I rolled underneath the ropes and I got that strap off my wrist and I tied the strap to the bottom rope. <laughs> and I jumped back in the ring and I started pounding Strongbow. <laughs> and I took the strap, I choked him with it. And the referee, of course, had to break it up. And the, the uh, promoter sent in six or seven guys to break it up to pull me out the Strongbow. Well, on the way back, before I even got out of the ring, I knew it was going to be a fight. Yeah. And the cops knew it, too. The cops up there were fantastic. Yeah. So I get out of the ring, and the cops surrounded me. And uh, then the, the guys that came in to break up the match, a couple of them jumped out behind me because I told them to. I said, this is going to be a fight. And it was about 100 feet back to the locker room. Yeah. But the people had just closed in. I mean, there was we had a break, uh, you know, like breaking ice. Oh, wow. And, you know, and so away we went. And there was like five cops on each side of me. <laughs> and there was a lot of Puerto Ricans up there in Springfield, Mass., uh-huh. And they started jumping over top of the cops to get to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, just not a couple. There's like 15 or 20 of them. Yeah. It was like a gang. Wow. And so, man, I, I don't know how many I knocked out. I got some fantastic punches in. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the easiest place to fight is in a crowd. Yeah. Yeah, because you just have free, you know. Free yeah. rain. Yeah. So we get back to the corridor, and uh, the cops, each one of those cops was dragging at least one, if not two, uh-huh. of those monkeys. <laughs> and we got them back there. They, then they, uh, they cuffed them all, and they had them laying face down on the floor, concrete floor. And yeah. by that time, I went back to the locker room. So one cop comes in and says, hey, Kent, we got a big surprise for you out here. So I go out there, and uh, they were picking each one of those guys up, you know, uh, one cop on each side, uh, one cop in the back holding their feet up. They're opening this big steel door with their head. Oh, gosh. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they said... Do whatever you want to these bastards. Yeah, we're fed up with these bastards. Yeah. So I said, shit. I, I said, no, I said, you guys have already done enough damage to them. <laughs> oh, God. But they, every one of those guys, about 10 or 12 of them, they, they opened those two steel doors <clears throat> with their heads. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then they threw them in the paddy wagon. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how it was. I, I mean, yeah. that, that's just a couple of examples. Yeah. yeah. I know you were a heel for a lot of years. Uh, yeah. And then towards the end of your career, uh, when you're in the AWA, uh, and I guess WWF a little bit, you were uh, a baby, you know, baby face. You were with Brad Riggins as the Olympians. Yeah. How did you like? How did you like that? I I thought you were better as a heel. I'm going to be honest with you. Did you like being a baby face, or did you prefer oh. to be a heel? No, the only reason I tagged uh, with uh, Brad to become the Olympians in 19 was that 88 or 89? I believe it was 89. Yeah, just, just for about a month and a half. Uh-huh. Brad had a real bad knee, needed uh, knee surgery really bad. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, Wahoo McDaniel and uh, Ray the Privilege Stevens, they were doing the booking for Vern. Okay. At the time, they called me, and I, I'm just opening up my gym. I'm just opening up uh, Patera's Fitness Emporium. Okay. And, uh, St. Paul here. Real successful gym. Boy, I made I made a lot of money off that place. But anyway, they asked me uh, if I could come work for them. Uh-huh. You know, they'd like to do this angle and put, put Brad Reagans and I together as a tag team. Uh-huh. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, Brad, anybody else, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But Brad and I were good friends. And so um after I, I couldn't believe how bad I said, is there any money to be made? I asked Wahoo that and Wahoo, he said, Wahoo. I said, can he? And he says, no. <laughs> he said, you'd be lucky to make 500 a week. I said, 500 a week. I says, holy shit. How often? <laughs> two, maybe sometimes three matches. I said, well, I'll do two matches. I'm not going to do three three matches for $500. Yeah. And he said, I don't blame you. Yeah. So we did that for, I think, five or six weeks. Uh-huh. And then we dropped uh, uh, belts to, uh, because Brad had to have, an, uh, I think he had a knee replacement surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, his knee was bad. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, uh, we dropped the belts to, uh, uh, Enos and Bloom. Destruction crew. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we dropped the belts to them at a TV shooting down in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and that was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I, I was, I was, I wasn't a baby face in the WWF, was I? I didn't, I couldn't remember. I mean, I remember when you went there and, you know, you and Heenan, uh, you know, had differences, and I and I thought you were for a while, I, but I might be wrong. I mean, well, I, I might have been, but I, you know, it was a short time. I know that. Yeah, it had to be very short. Yeah, because when you when you turned babyface, I I was surprised. I was like you, you, I liked you better as a heel because you know you, yeah, you spoke well, you act, you did the part. You know, yeah. and you wrestled well, so you had all those combinations what made it so great. Yeah. You could back it up. Yeah, right. And that was yeah. the great part of it is you had the credentials and the and and the abilities 
to back everything that you said that you were going to do. Yeah. And that was what the great, that's the one thing I I'll be honest, I miss about wrestling today. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't watch it that much anymore. Like I should probably, but the storylines aren't nearly as good and believable as they were back then. Well, they're all fabricated now. And and everybody's got to memorize their lines and yeah, that they're all uh, reading off a script now. Right. But we didn't have scripts. Right. But what you saw is what you got. Yeah. And that yeah. was the great part about it. It was believable. Yeah. Mad Dog was Mad Dog. Baron yeah. was Baron. The Crusher was the Crusher. <laughs> and uh, all, all of us, that, you know, uh, Nick Foxwinkle, we could all talk. Yeah, exactly. And we could all create our own storylines. Mm-hmm. And they were all believable. Yep. But nowadays, you know, I, yeah, it's I, all, it's all creepy. The well, only one I really care for now, I'll be honest, Ken, is is uh, I like Chris Jericho. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, a lot of people like Chris. I yeah. like Chris Jericho because one, he can speak very yeah. well on the on the mic, and he's a good wrestler and he's believable. Yeah, yeah. but he's probably one of the few that are that are left. That yeah, I, very I, few. Yeah. yeah. That I believe that are, are are good at what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. Steve Austin was good, and, and Steve Austin. I mean, but yeah. you're talking again. You know, it was 15 well, years been ago. gone for 10 years. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the one today that to me it sticks out is Chris Jericho, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. yeah. Okay, two more questions, and then we'll we'll okay. get two you going more. here. All right. So, what was your favorite? territory or one of your favorites that you worked in that 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 you felt comfortable you you liked the storylines you got like the money all the all the chemistry and things what was probably one of your favorite ones to work in oh well awa yeah for sure you know when when i first started Uh and then when i came back for the second time it was really good that's when blackwell and i taped up uh, but yeah, WWF, you know, uh-huh. I went in and out of there four different times. Uh-huh. So, uh, but uh, I like Georgia. Okay. Georgia, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh-huh. And uh, Texas. Uh, I liked uh, working for Bill Watts. Okay. Yeah, down there in uh, Oklahoma, Louisiana. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I'll say I've heard a lot with with Vern. If you worked for Vern, you got paid well, and you got and you got time off. Yeah, yeah, you only work seventeen, eighteen times a month. Yeah, he and I've heard that from mm-hmm. Jimmy Brunzel and, and Greg and and uh, a few others yeah. that when you're up there, you got paid well and and you yeah. got time off. Yeah, like when uh, we worked for Crockett Promotions down there in Charlotte, the NWA. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You had over 400 uh, matches a year. Yeah. I mean, you're on the road every day. I had 10 days off in 1979. Uh-huh. 10 days off. Gosh. I mean, when I went back to the WWF uh, New Year's Day uh, from uh, Charlotte, I was a cripple. 
because you work so much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it was pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. So the territories. Uh, well, my favorite one would have to be the AWA in the early years. Yeah. And uh, WWF, you know, I only worked, you know, in the early years there when I first went in, mm -hmm. less than 20 times a month. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, when when I was at the WWF and even when I came back, to, when Jerry Blackwell and I were tagged up, mm -hmm. I was doing shows for other promoters. I'd go to St. Louis. I'd go up to Montreal. I'd go to uh, uh, Toronto. Uh -huh. And I'd go work for uh, Jerry Lawler down there at Midwest uh, Coliseum down in Memphis. Okay. I went over and wrestled shows for Paul Bosch in Houston and uh, yeah. Cowboy Watts uh, there in uh, Oklahoma. Uh -huh. I... I so I let's say if I was making 110,000 a year in uh, for Vern, mm -hmm. I'd be picking up another 40,000 working for all these other promoters. Yeah, yeah, because they pay me just as well. Right. But then they they pay my airfare mm -hmm. in oh. and out. They you know pay for my car rental. Okay. And so I had no expenses you know, except for my beer. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. uh, do you think that's a lost art going? I mean, because, you know, there's only really two or three big ones now that obviously the WWE and, and now AEW and maybe uh, Impact. I, to me, it's kind of a, a lost art. I don't think guys get the experience and, and, and refining their crafts like they did back well, not like uh back in the day when i started i think there yeah. were uh, like 20 promotions yeah around the country and right you know, majority of them you can make a decent living right. at any one of them right you know if you're a top guy yeah I but just... uh what's impact that's uh tna it's one that uh it's out of uh uh nashville uh, it's on uh, Axis, or yeah, I think it's Axis TV now. They've they've been around for about ten years. Actually, Jeff Jarrett had started it back in two thousand two. Oh, Jeff's. Yeah, it was Jeff's, and now it's uh, under you know new ownership. But uh, you know, I just to me, I you know, like right now, I don't have cable. I, I we just moved recently, so I have an antenna. Mm. Uh, but you know, back in the day, I could get two or three different shows from different promotions and, and and now you you can't do that yeah mm -hmm. uh and so i just i remember you in the wwf i remember you in the awa uh and the nwa for a while and in georgia and you were just yeah. all over the place i just remember i thought he was in minneapolis and then you know you're yeah. down in georgia which was great i mean it was yeah. you know you kept the variety you kept it fresh and and that was the great thing about it. now it's if you're WWE, your character, you know, kind of goes well, you're, stale. You're, 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 they, they own you. They own you. You can't go and work somewhere else. No. Or else, you know, they're fire you and whatever. Yeah. You can't go work somewhere else. It's not a handshake anymore. It's 
you're here yeah. for five years. And even yeah. after you leave, you can't work somewhere else for 90 days now, I've been told. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I've been told that once you leave WWE, mm-hmm. you can't work in another promotion for 90 days because of what happened with them in the 90s with WCW and then when they had the Monday Night Wars. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. So they didn't want somebody showing up the next night on a different TV program. Yeah, right. Well, that's smart. I guess, yeah, I guess it's smart on on WWE's part, but... Yeah, right. All right, one last question, then we're going to let you go, sir. Okay. What are you doing now? Hmm. Well, right now, I'm having a whiskey and water. (laughs) Well, it's lunchtime. Yes. yes. I, I, I got, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to go up uh, to uh, my daughter's uh, shop up in Pine City, okay. which is about 80 miles north of here. Okay. And I told her I'd be up there around 2 o'clock. Okay. And uh, she has a shop, uh, Sunrise Apothecary. Oh, okay. You know what apothecary means? No, I do not. Okay. Herbs and coffees, teas. Okay, okay. All that stuff. Okay. And she's a hell of a artist. She uh, for uh, pottery. Okay. She's got a huge pottery studio in her house. Wow. Okay. Yeah, big, big one. She has uh, two big kilns. All that stuff's going to be moved because I'm building a uh, a farmhouse for. I'm out have a little apartment on one end, and her and her family are going to live on the other end. And right oh. in the middle okay. is going to be a, a big, you know, a, a arts and crafts shop. Oh, well, wonderful. Yeah. So she can do all her uh, creative uh, things there. Well, that's wonderful. It's gonna be, I think it's going to be 60 feet long and 45, 45 feet wide. Oh. So it's going to be a good-sized building. Yeah. I don't know, 7,000 square feet. All one floor, though. Okay. Well, that's yeah, good. It's not going to be two stores. It's going to be all one floor. Good. And... Uh, I told her, I says, you know, the house I'm in now, I've, uh-huh. I've been here 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I have, uh, you come in from the garage into the foyer, you got seven steps up and seven steps down. <laughs> well, my knees are so bad that I am i don't want any steps. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. All right. Well, I'm going to let yeah, you go. So, uh, yeah. So what am I doing? Yeah. yeah did, okay. I'll let you go, so sir. I, I, I appreciate your time and your, you know, everything you've done for us here today. And yeah. I, I mean, it's an honor and privilege. I mean, I watched you as a kid, like I said, and it was, it was great. I mean, I, I was so glad I was able to get in contact with you and, and do this. So well, thank you so much. It did. We finally got together, though. <laughs> we finally got together. So, once okay. again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. The World's Strongest Man, Mr. Ken Patera. Ken, thank you so much again for joining our program. Thank you, Brian, and good luck. All right. Thank you very much.